Welcome to another edition of Talk Your Exposure. This is season two, episode seven. I'm alongside my co-host, Devontae Campbell. How are you doing today, man? Good, man. We got a good one today. We got a good one. We have a great one today. We have a great one today. Somebody that I've known for quite some time, somebody that I've I've grown up with. He's legitimately seen me grow from under four feet to above (laughs) six feet. (laughs) We We have... Uh, sportscaster of sport, uh, sorry, sportscaster of Sportsnet Ontario, Brad Fay. How are you today, sir? Hey, good guys. Nice to be here. Thank you for thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. And like we we, we always say, we're gonna get some gonna get started with some quick hitters. So Devante, it's all you. Yeah. So you know, we always like to start off the show some quick hitters, get the brain flowing. Now we're gonna play this or that. Got about seven to six seconds to answer, and then there's no wrong answer. Just like to see where your head's at with some NBA players. So, you know, I got to start it off strong. Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter. Oh, <laughs> man. I, I like uh, I like Vince because I think he accomplished more in the in the playoffs. He was put the Raptors on the map. Tracy's that guy who could score at will unbelievably, but uh, never won anything. So not that Vince won a championship, but there's my answer. Okay. TJ Ford, Damon Stoudemire. Wow, interesting. Uh, Damon, again, the uh, the original Raptor. I was out west then, but uh, great pick by them, and, and it just set the Raptors on that course. They've been great in the draft pretty much every year. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, definitely got to go with our point guards here, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd. Yeah, uh, boy, that's a, that's a tough one. I think everybody probably says that. Uh, I can't go against the Canadian, but... Jason, I think that's as close as you could get to give me a comparable that uh, the two MVPs for Nash maybe gives him the edge. Okay, and I like to, I've been asking this question a lot recently just to, because of free agency and stuff like that. Andre Drummond or uh, Christus Porzingis? Yeah, wow. Just so we're talking about just long term or for a quick fix or? That's a good question. We're, yeah. in, in, the case, in the case of this, we're going to go quick fix. We're going to yeah, go quick fix. Um, I think Drummond, uh, you know, especially in terms of the Raptors, in terms of rebounder, a guy with the expiring contract, a guy that can – he'd be a perfect fit for a team like that where he doesn't need to score. But Porzingis is an interesting interesting uh, project. That's for sure. Just a matter of if he can stay healthy. Yeah. You know what? He went four for four on that. That's, uh, that's the answer <laughs> that I'll go with. He went four for four. Let's continue this. I like But, but, but you, you know what, though? I, I, actually, I actually have one for you, too. I, I usually don't really ch- uh, chime in for this one, but I got one question for you. DeMar DeRozan, Kawhi Leonard. I thought oh, you were going to say Jeff Dorfman or Brad Fay. Uh, <laughs> did you say Kawhi Leonard or De- Demar? Is that what you said? That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. No contest. I mean, as a person, Demar doesn't get any better. But uh, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, witnessing that up close—that's as elite as this city and this country has ever seen. Uh, you know, since Gretzky, basically. Of course, of course. Yeah. Hey, that's 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 you can't go wrong with winning a championship, especially in Toronto. Mm-hmm. But I I do want to touch up. You know, early early two thousand, I think it was when uh, you picked me up randomly one day. We went to the first ever Vince Carter charity All Star game. Yeah, and, and and I want to I want to just touch up on on Vince Carter in the country of, of Canada and how his how his impact how his uh, um how his how he was an Im- impact to Canadian basketball and, and how that all started. Yeah, I mean, I think he's, it's, you look at he and Nash around the same time and Nash became a superstar a little bit later, but they both kind of put it on the map for the country. And I laugh because uh, when RJ Barrett declared he was going to Duke a few years ago, I was at the announcement and I said, how much, um, you know, who had a bigger influence on you? Because Steve Nash is his godfather. I said, Steve Nash or Vince (laughs) Carter. And he says, I was two years old when Vince Carter played for the Raptors. I don't remember. And you forget how young these guys are. But, fair, but fair, that, was the, that was the difference between Vancouver and Toronto that, 
you know, Vancouver struggled out of the gate. Toronto had Vince Carter, who ended up becoming, you know, the most watched guy on highlights in the whole NBA, basically. So mm-hmm. his impact can never be uh, understated. Unfortunately, it ended poorly when he left. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I think that he's made amends. The fans have made amends with him and they want to honor him when he's, uh, when he's ready for that. Most definitely. And honestly, I, I agree with you. I think that he needs to be honored as a Raptor. I think they need plug to plug in here, guys. Go ahead. Keep talking. No problem. I think, I think, I think they need to, they need to retire his Jersey. Um, I really, I really do believe that. Um, but you know, obviously, obviously I don't, I don't think the Raptors are going to, are going to, you know, uh, the Raptors are going to retire anybody's Jersey until they retire Vince Carter's. Cause I, I definitely agree with you that Vince Carter was the start of Canadian basketball. We're going to get back to Vancouver. We're going to get to Vancouver in a little bit, but I want to ask you, Vince Carter just started a charity here in here in Toronto for you uh, for 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 kids to go to university. Yeah, fantastic. Like Twenty five thousand per kid. What's what's I, you obviously just 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 kind of answered it in terms of terms of uh, a fantastic, and I agree. But when you heard that, was it one of those or like okay, like like he this is really a peace treaty with with Toronto and Vince Carter, or was it one of those that you always kind of expected to happen? Um, you know, I, I was a little surprised for sure. I think uh, that he and I think Tracy McGrady to a great extent too. I think they realized the impact that they had in Canada and could have had if they'd stayed together and if Vince had stayed longer. Uh, it was a weird, you know, it was almost like uh, so many guys, you know, as they get older and they realize that the mistakes they made, like his just seemed to be a very quick decision as he was 24, 25 year old kid that was like, okay, I'm not happy. I want out. And then realizing that he had it pretty good in Toronto. So paying it back because they put him on the map, just like, you know, he put Canada on and Toronto on the map in the NBA. So I guess I'm not surprised, but uh, it, it still kind of came out of left field. But I think he's, you're going to see him honor Toronto a lot more as he goes forward. He didn't used to like to talk about the dunk contest and all that. And now anytime somebody wants to ask him about that night in Oakland, he goes all in and, and yeah. is very descriptive with his, with his thoughts about that night. You, 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 you grew up in Vancouver, and this one, one thing that Vince Curtis always talk about is that Toronto is a, is a lost art, lost city. You know, he, I forgot the exact words that he said, but um, he used to always call Toronto home and is one of the most, sorry, it was, it was kept, kept secrets, one of those yeah, kept secrets. Yeah, yeah. What was the difference even for you coming from Vancouver to Toronto? What is so great about Toronto that Vince Carter even had to talk, uh, touch upon as well? Yeah, way, way more metropolitan. I mean, world city. And in sen- since then, I've traveled to almost every NBA city. And there's only three or four that I would say are bigger. And you don't even want to go better because it's what you want. But there's, in terms of what is offered in the NBA, there's not many cities that have more in Toronto. Uh, Vancouver is just that, that West Coast, that different feel, not nearly as diversified. And it sort of was, uh, you know, uh, hit home when they said if the Raptors had somehow got Yao Ming with their huge Asian population that that might've made the difference where in Toronto, it really doesn't matter what the background. And, you know, even when you talk about a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, talking about, you know, will he come to Toronto because of the great Greek community? You know, Vancouver doesn't have that kind of cultural aspect. I think the players love Vancouver, love visiting it. There's nothing, no better city in the world physically on a beautiful day. It's as pretty as it gets, but I think there's a lot more going on in Toronto in general. I, I love to have both as my hometowns. But I've really I've been here for 22 years now, and I love the uh, beat and the the rhythm and the energy of Toronto. I want I want to touch up on, on Vancouver Grizzlies. You know, both Vancouver and Toronto came to the NBA at the same time. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for Vancouver. They they're now Memphis. What was it like for you being being from Vancouver to have a, a NBA team? Well, it was cool on a couple of uh, levels because I was I wasn't in working in Vancouver yet the first year they arrived, but I was in Kelowna 
which for those that don't know the four hours, sort of our version of cottage country out there. I lived there writing newspapers. So I used to come down to cover some of the, the sports in Vancouver. And I came down for Jordan's first visit, which is still one of the most wow. unbelievable things I've ever seen. And that was in his last year. So the 95, 96 is last year with the Bulls. It was like um, the Beatles were in town all day, people trying to find him, see him. And that was, uh, I, I remember thinking, wow, this has a chance It's basketball because people, there was more excitement to see him than any other athlete. Um, and it was, it was cool. I mean, being a basketball guy, I mean, I, even you guys now, your generation, you're, you were ahead of the curve a little bit, but you're seeing everybody that's younger than you now loves basketball, uh, right off the bat. They don't have to choose, you know, hockey is sort of where you're led down the path. For me, I was a real outlier and, and, uh, having played and my friends and I were the ones that watched, but nobody really watched basketball. The Sonics were kind of the home team. So it was really cool to see, felt like Vancouver had arrived. Unfortunately, as you say, it didn't work out. They kind of got a raw deal. Even David Stern admitted that afterwards that they didn't handle that very well. Yeah, no, and, and, and even even to touch up on that one too, like I remember even my, you know, my, my family, you know, that's how we, we met is, is both families are from Vancouver. And for my mom in particular, like, like even my grandfather, you know, let's just, don't worry about my mom right now. I was talking about my grandfather. She was so happy when, when uh, he, he was so happy when he, when Vancouver was able to get the first NBA team. And, and in my opinion, to be able to see that and be able to experience that, I mean, I was also pretty young to, and didn't really understand it. But looking back at it, it, it would be crazy and better for Canada to have more than one NBA team, in my opinion. Do you agree? Yeah, and I think that the time is right now on a couple of fronts. I don't know if it's going to happen because I think Seattle will probably be first in line. But uh, because of the refurbished arena and everything else, but two reasons. One, it's never been more popular and we see the ratings on a regular basis, how they've just grown. And even after Kawhi left, the ratings have continued to grow across the country. That's one thing. Two, the NBA is going to need an influx of cash because they've lost a lot of money over these couple of years and the price of a, a franchise. So they're at 30. Every other league seems to be at 32 teams. Um, so maybe it's time to add to, and then Vancouver might be, you know, a possibility, but you're dealing, the Raptors would like it, but maybe they, maybe they appreciate the fact right now they're the, the only team in the whole country. So I think I agree with you. And especially the fact that one is on the West coast would be, would be great. And, and it's more popular than it's ever been. And that includes in Vancouver. I, I hope it does come back. I really do hope it does mm -hmm. come back. Um, I want to touch up on, on just, just, you know, transition a little bit to your, your, your career and how you got into that. What, what was the intriguing part to get into broadcasting? Yeah, well, I, I had always, um, you know, I guess you think of it kind of as a dream job, you know, like you, you, I watch sports all the time. And, and uh, in the days before the internet and Twitter and all that stuff, you waited till the sports cast came at night. And I remember thinking, watching these guys and feeling like I could relate to them like they were they were, you got, they started to get younger and they were, you know, having some fun and making the kind of jokes and the pop culture references that I like. But I went um, to, to school and uh, playing uh, college basketball in Calgary. And I just didn't, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I met uh, one summer on the, at home, just playing hoops, pick up hoops. And a guy named John McKeechee, who was a um, longtime sportscaster in Vancouver, he said he was playing and a group of them were playing. We just got to be friends and uh, he's much older than I am, but he just said, you should do what I do. He was just talking to me. He felt like I had a feel for it. And then I ended up in newspaper and it was John McKeechee who was at BCTV and kept on them saying, I've got this kid. I think he would work. And that was, you know, how it ended up happening, but it was something that I would have done right and say when I wanted to do it, it would have been if someone told me I was 16 said, you can be a sportscaster, I would have said absolutely. But I didn't think about it on a day-to-day -day basis because it felt like too much of a pipe dream. 
That, that, that's also because you you and Jeffrey Dorfman were going head to head in Vancouver. <laughs> that's right. Teammates in a three on three once too. So, Devon, just want to be clear. Jeffrey Dorfman's my uncle, so that's 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 why. That's His real uncle. On my, yeah. my real uncle. My His real, real uncle. uncle. <laughs> my real uncle. My mom's brother. <laughs> um, so, go ahead. Real quick, if it if it wasn't sports casting, what, what would it be? Wow, that's a that's a really good question. I, my uh, dad's retired now. He was a stockbroker, and you sort of I think everybody grows up. The first things they think about is doing what their what their dad did. I would have been happy staying in in newspaper if the sportscast thing didn't come. But it's now in hindsight a good move because the way the newspapers have gone, uh, yeah. probably probably would have been some kind of public relations type of thing. I think I can uh, I can. Uh, talk my way out of things better than, than some people and and a little I, I was a little lazy early on so I, I don't know if I would have done the, the nine to five punching a card every day if they give me an assignment and things to work on you sort of have days to put it together that would have been good no sales absolutely no sales I wouldn't have been able to pull that it's the minute somebody who showed no interest I would have said okay fine I'll move on so couldn't have done that so I'm, I'm happy I ended up doing what I do well definitely well, definitely. I want to. I want to ask you though. I, be, being a, a, a sportscaster or an analyst or anything like that, it's it's a good, it's a great job, but it's also a hard job. The other day, I think the Raptors were playing Milwaukee on TNT, and uh, Shaq didn't even know Pascal's first name. <laughs> he didn't know Pascal's first name. For, can we just can we just touch up on Shaq for a second about about? I do want to. There's two parts to the question, but just Shaq in general. Is he actually like that in terms of like him just forgetting things and just being being a. I don't want to say anything rude about him, but like like a like an asshole kind of person. Is he? That's just him on TV. I think he the the biggest key is that he can get away with it. You know, it's like um, if if one of us made that mistake, and uh, you know everybody at home would go, how can he not know the guy's first name? But it becomes funny with Shaq, and then Charles jumps in and they bug him. Charles with his mispronunciations. Those guys <laughs> have found uh, you know um, a niche like they're the best in my for my money in any sport. Best uh, panel show. Kenny's. The jet kind of holds it together. He's the smart guy. And Ernie, of course, as a host, is a guy that, you know, the ringleader, that, that's a job that I know well, but I haven't had to work with those kind of three guys. So I think it's, I think Shaq is a really good guy from my brief meetings with him. I think he always was playful on the court. He was one of those guys that not too many people would dislike. So I don't think it's anything that he does it in the sense of, but he said, Siakam, it's just kind of like, you know, uh, basketball is one of those one name things. Sometimes people say, you know, why do you guys call him by first name sometimes? I said, well, when, when Kawhi was playing, if, if we had said Leonard was great in the first half, you'd have to think. And it's like, Kawhi, oh, I know who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, same with Pascal or Siakam. Either one of those works in that case. So at LeBron, you never say James, you know. You, That's true. It's just sort of uh, you're, the, the object in the business is to let people know who you're talking about. So you're not trying to be chummy with them. Mm -hmm. If the guy had a, you know, like a nondescript first and last name, you're just calling him Ed all the time. It's kind of like, okay, well, now you're too chummy with him. You better go with Jones or whatever. But so, yeah, to answer your question, I think the Shaq had never really thought of him in other than yeah, that's Siakam. And uh, that's a name that you have to work at to figure out. Then you're going to forget to learn the first name, you know? Well, definitely. It's funny that you, that you say that they're one of the best panels, but in my, in my personal opinion, I love, I, I think TNT is great. I think that the four, four of them work really well together, but I'm actually a big Tim and Sid fan. I'm a big Tim and Sid fan. I love I love watching Tim and Sid. I think that they're very intellectual and and I've, it, it's kind of like you have you have Tim Tim like the 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 monotone you know the monotone guy where Sid is all the excited and throws all the the animation out there. What's it like working with them? Yeah, well, it's uh, only another week, right? Sid's gone to breakfast TV at the end of this week, right. so it's an end of an institution. 
Um, I haven't worked as much with Sid. I've worked a lot with Tim because we did the university sports. I was the host of the studio and he was doing play-by-play -play for the men's basketball and the football, the Vanier Cup, the women's basketball, all of that stuff. So uh, they're great guys. And uh, when you mentioned earlier about that it's a great job and it's a hard job for those guys every single day to have to know the whole landscape of sports. And I did a little bit of radio or fill in for Bob McCowan. And that's a really, really, if that's your job, then that's what you got to do. But we've become, I'm lucky I'm kind of in between because I do basketball. I still do tennis. I do the Olympics. I fill in on, on other things as well. But for those guys, you got to know the whole landscape because stories can pop up in any sport, whether it's European soccer or, you know, a women's basketball qualifier or, or an NBA story. So uh, I have great respect for them. And Tim's going to continue on his own with his show for now. But I agree, you, you, you described it very perfectly that Tim is the nuts and bolts guy and the straight man and Sid provides entertainment, which you need over a course of two hours together. It can't be all straight talk. You got to have somebody going off now and then. Of course. And, and, and yeah. even, even, even when I watch them, I've, I've always wanted to, to talk to them because I, I feel like they're just great people to talk to, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and, and obviously we, we all, we always want, we want what's best for, uh, for Sid and, and happy that Sid's able to move on and, and do whatever, you know, do what he wants to do. Um, but just, just to be able to, like you said, to do that on a regular basis every day, know all the information, even for you, where you do multiple sports, you're not just uh, solidified on one sport. For us in particular, for our talk show, it's good because we're only solidified to basketball for right yeah. now. Uh, but what's it like for you on, on a preparation level in order to always get ready for all the different sports you have to get ready to and in quick moments too? It's not like you have a lot of time. Yeah, well, something like the, the Olympics is an interesting one because it's ongoing when I see something or, you know, this year's again, we're at different times now, but let's take COVID out of the picture in a normal, normal setup. Once we get in, you know, within five or six months of an Olympics, I'm constantly taking notes and just marking them down somewhere. And then when I get closer to the actual event, I'll begin to prepare what I call a book. I just have a binder. And it works twofold. Started with tennis because we were outside and the wind would blow. So instead of having notes and having to put rocks and things on top to keep them from blowing away, I put it all in a binder and then you can open up the binder and it sits there. Oh, wow. And what? you've got your page in front of you that you need for the immediate stuff and a place to make notes. But then you've got all your notes in behind it that you turn through and you've got all. I, but my book is this thick for the Olympics. i get my hands in the picture. Wow. And I use about that much. And it's like, because you don't know what the stories are going to be. You have to prepare for all the stories going in. And the, the best example I tell everybody was the 2016, the Rio games, when uh, Penny Alexiak went wild, the 16-year-old swimmer. I had one line on her, 16, where she went to school and expected to, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a coming out party. And then 2020, she'll be the one to watch. She ends up winning a medal on the first night in the first week, all we did <laughs> is talk about her. So and then you're adjusting on the fly. So right. what I do with the, with the Raptors is I have that book and I have, you know, things like the schedule, all the contracts of the players, notes from last year, last year's schedule. So you, you may have to compare things, but the day of the game, I do one sheet that I can have in front of me with everything that we're going to be talking about. So the producer will send me a lineup. And if, if the subject, uh, like we, we have the game tomorrow night against Philly. So the first subject will be Kyle Lowry. If he's back, talk about his injury. So I'll have something on him uh, to help set up Sherm and Alvin Williams will be on again. Then obviously a lot about Fred, whether or not he's an all-star, but I did get the lineup to me either tonight or early in the morning. And then I just make my notes around what we're going to talk about. So preparation is king. I say that all the time, but man, there's nothing worse than being in any situation where you 
have no idea where it's going next and you're not sure if you know, you don't have to know everything, but right. you got to be able to at least spin it. And um, when, when you feel comfortable, it's so much fun because you can't wait to get your next piece of information. But if someone sends you off on some tangent, you're kind of like, oh man, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> That's a scary, you know, it's like you're doing a speech in front of your school where you lose your scary. notes and you got to kind of keep going. So it's um yeah it's, it's it becomes easier as you do it it's just all about miles in this business and then you you know what you need you know to have i i was i was gonna wait for the to ask you this question later but you just you just brought it up a, a few seconds ago and this is something that Devonte and i have been arguing about for the past three years i mean this year i think he's actually on the same page as me is fred an all-star in your mind oh yeah that's i think it's as, this is as close as it's been i just talked to my executive producer and we were talking about it. I said, you know, my reaction tomorrow, because Raptor fans immediately want to go disrespected and everything else. First of all, the Raptors have had a starter in the All-Star game for the last six years. Mm -hmm. And that was DeMar and then uh, Kawhi and then Pascal. So it's- Kyle, Kyle uh, too. They have, what's that? Didn't Kyle start as well? Uh, I don't know if Kyle started. I can't I remember if he you. did. I know he's went to six in a row, but I'm pretty sure. I don't know. If he ever, because I think I think I think it flip flop with Demar with Demar. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, you know I, what? I, I can't remember. Wrong. And I know Demar always was the big, you know, vote get the first one for the Raptors since Vince. But I I think Fred is. It would literally, and I'm not trying to sit on the fence. If he makes it, it's great, and he's an unbelievable story. But if he doesn't make it, and they're taking 12, he's 13 or 14. He's right there. And I don't think that it can be outrage if he doesn't, because the Raptors were so bad to start the year, as you mentioned two and eight and that took a lot of them out of the mix it immediately meant there's not going to be two for sure mm -hmm. and fred's the guy if there's going to be so i i got a feeling that 54 game and then how well he's played when kyle's been out might get him the vote and i think coaches like his story too like yeah. this he just continues to defy the odds at every turn and that's a typical raptor story so I, if i had to bet i i wouldn't bet money on it but i would bet and i'm right sitting at 51 49 that he's going to get the nod but will not be surprised either way you guys you, you we hear it here first we hear it here first Devante, Devante, i hope you like that response Devante. <laughs> i i 100 agree um i think coaches i think the portion on the coaches part you know they love his story that's a a raptor um, DNA right there, but it's yeah. going to be on the line. It's going to be on the line. I, well, I wanted to ask you one last question about your broadcasting, but who was uh, two questions. First question is uh, what was your, your, what's, how do I want to word this? What was your like most uh, craziest, craziest interview that you've ever had in terms of like, like Kawhi or Vince Carter or even LeBron James or Drake or whoever, whoever it was that you've interviewed before that you're like, wow, I'm standing next to so-and-so. Yeah, I think, well, the, the first one would have been Jordan, and it wasn't just me by myself in that wow. case. Um, but that was the, you know, the first time he came, and the, the circle of people, I'd never seen so many reporters around, and everybody just wanted to talk to him. But that was that was pretty cool. And I've been, I've been really lucky, because I think in th this era, the last 20 years that I've been doing the TV side of it, has been one of the great runs of, you know, guys that are considered all-timers in their sport, Jordan and LeBron in the... Um, in the NBA, Tiger Woods, who have interviewed, you know, on, on oh, wow. the golf side of it, tail end of, uh, well, Gretzky finished right my first year. And then now guys like Crosby, Ovechkin. And there's, you know, I can't think, I, maybe the coolest was we had Roger Federer on the set beside us. And wow. I didn't realize it. I like tennis, but the tennis nuts, this guy is their all-time god and the crowd that built behind us when we were just interviewing on the set, there's no one there behind us. And then all of a sudden it's about a hundred deep all the way across. 
Um, and he could not have been cooler, just like the, the gentleman. And that's one that I think of a lot, but probably the coolest and the one that I have a picture of it up in my office upstairs, uh, it was interviewing Kawhi on the court where he's holding the NBA Finals MVP trophy. And we did the round. So he came out, TSN had that game, a uh, game six when they won it. And he did them first and he gave the trophy, they gave him a microphone. So he gave the trophy to someone to hold. So I said to our cameraman, I said, don't give him a mic. Cause it was Alvin Williams and I, and then Kawhi was gonna join. I said, I'll just hold the mic and do this because I want him to hold the trophy. And I remember it hitting me thinking, wow, like they just won the championship, first major championship in Canada in 25 years. Uh, I was part of the whole run we did, you know, every second game, I'm standing here. This guy's gonna go down in history. He's probably gonna leave, but he's gonna be that folklore story that's gonna be told for a hundred years. You know, everyone's kids and grandkids. So he came for one year and they won and then he left. Yeah, it was great, you know? And so that one hits me in the sense of the combination of standing beside this guy and the moment of the whole thing. And I just remember saying, you know, after there's all this, you've been through all this Kawhi, what do you, you know, what, what's the, the first thought? And he just says, man, I am so tired. And he was so tired. Like <laughs> I just, you know, watching that guy on a nightly basis was incredible. So it kind of capped it off that way. Last question, about, last question about your broadcasting. I got to know, who was your first interview, first ever interview? Uh, Rod Brindamore, who's oh, wow. now the coach of Carolina. Uh, and I was working in Campbell River, my first job, and that's where he's from. And they sent me to Vancouver uh, to do the game when he was playing for the Blues as a rookie. And uh, he, he autographed a stick for me to take back to give to the auction off for some kids in Campbell River or whatever. But he, um, yeah, that was it. And that was when I walked in the press box in Vancouver, the old Coliseum. And that's when I decided this is what I'd like to do. This is a little bigger than Campbell River. I'd like to be at this level. So uh, there you go. Were, were, were you ever nervous? Was there any bit of nerves or anything that was running through you? And how do you, how'd you get uh, past that if you were? Yeah, that one was a little bit nerve wracking. I, I, I was helped by, I, I always emceed all my friends' weddings. So I got used to talking in front of people and you realize it's only one guy and they're all pretty good. I think most players are, are, are good with the younger guys. I remember Barkley in Vancouver that I was standing there and I had the microphone and the cameras with me and he's sitting alone and he's like, hey, he goes, come here. Get over here. He goes, like, he knows I want to talk to him. And I, you know, so, so you realize that's their job. They get it. And then when they see young guys, they're not going to, they'll give crap to guys that they know and guys that are writing stuff about them or saying stuff about them, but someone they've never seen before, they just realize. And then the opposite was the Russell Westbrook is the only guy I've ever come across. It's been a, an absolute dick. So it's like, <laughs> I love his game. I don't like him. Just, he had no reason to be that way to me. And he, and he was, and it was, you know, he does it, but if someone said he just got rust, and he does it to everybody, so don't feel special, you know. So there you go. Oh wow, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I want I want to transition to your basketball career. I, I didn't even know that you went to school in Calgary to play basketball over there. First of all, what was the school that you went to? In Mount Royal. Mount so Royal? it's now Mount Royal University. It was Mount Royal College when I played. So didn't have okay. the grades or probably the game to play university. So college ball was great. <laughs> how many How many years did you go there? I played three. Played three. What position? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sorry. What what position? Oh, I was just I was shooting guard in the uh, early early days. I could shoot, man. Early days of the three point line. Here's here's a funny stat. I took like we had an 18 game conference schedule. I attempted 48 threes, and the next guy on our team attempted five. Nobody shot them. And I was the only <laughs> guy. That, uh, and it had only been in the in when I went the way to school. It was only the second year that it was in play. 
There was no three-point line until the mid-'80s. So uh, I was ahead of my time in that sense. But, uh, you know, when you can't jump, you got to learn to shoot. So I, I shot it at a high percentage. But it would have been, if I had gone two or three years later, people would have figured it out pretty easy. You know, they didn't cover you out there. So I just yeah. was alone. And then once people started to realize it was a weapon and you could shoot, I would have known how to shut me down. It just would have been play physical and bump me around a bit. And I would have disappeared. <laughs> Fair, fair enough. I'm, I'm, I, I can relate. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you were in today's era, though, if you were in today's era, would you still be considered to be one of like a, 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 a Matt Thomas or a Steve Novak or something like that? Or would you would you try to change your game up a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the one thing I think of. Um, and I had a good chat with my old coach uh, the other day. Um, and the fake that, that when you have a shot, that's a weapon. Uh, whatever kind of weapon that was back then, that, that the head fake is everything, you know, and I never really developed. I would get the ball. If I had the shot, I'd shoot it. If not, then I'd pass it off. And when guys are expecting you to shoot, that one fake would have made all the difference. One dribble step in and, and uh, as Jack would say, knock down the Jimmy. But uh, I, would, I, would have to be, I would have to be a lot stronger than I was. And, I, you know, I played at 6'2", about 170. You know, oh, wow. it's like, oh, wow. oh, you know, I'm, I'm over 200 pounds now and I still think I'm skinny. So it, I would have, <laughs> it, it would, it changed so fast. We went back for an alumni game. So I finished in 88. We went back for an alumni game in 96 or seven. And it was, we played against the, the team and it was like, some of us had still played high level men's league and that, but it wasn't even close. They were so much more athletic, so fast. Everyone could shoot. They were dunk. We'd have one dunk a game, maybe in our conference games and then for opening tip they won the tip and they dunked on us we're kind of like wow this is uh, this is <laughs> not kansas anymore dorothy is so, yeah it was fun though i loved it it was the best experience my best friends are all from there we had a really good team we we always seemed to not get it together in the conference final but we were ranked you know top three or four every year that i was there and uh, just couldn't put it together to get to the national championship. But uh, it was, it wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a blast. Who would you keep losing to, if, if you don't mind me asking? Who would you keep losing to, to to not make it there? Uh, well, the first year was a school called SATE that won the national championship that year after they beat us in the conference final. And then uh, Grant McEwen from Edmonton was the real heartbreak the last year. We had beaten them all year quite easily. And uh, our coach had a little bit of a brain fart and sort of decided that he that I know what we've been doing wrong against these guys. He switched something up, played an extra big man because they weren't very big. And we were kind of like, what's, what are you talking about what we've done wrong all year? We, we hadn't lost to them and they beat us two straight. We let it halftime both games as best of three series. And they ended up getting the bronze at the nationals. And that was the year that Donovan Bailey played for Sheridan College when they won it. Oh, wow. So oh, wow. I, I met Donovan a couple of times and no, I don't, don't pretend to know him at all. But I said to him, I said, you know, I probably would have covered you. I said, you might've had a speed advantage on me if we, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had the type of team that I don't know if we could have won the whole thing, but I think we probably could have gotten to the final. We were better than Grant McCune was. And when they won bronze, it was kind of, you know, we thought, wow, what, uh, what could have been. That won't hurt. Yeah. So look, this, 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 you might be able to relate to this a little, a little bit because Langara, Langara College has been doing pretty well in the yeah, last few yeah, years. Yeah, that's the same, same level that I played at. We played them in tournaments and that, yeah. Right. So, so Langara, like I said, Langara has been doing pretty well last, last few years. Um, somebody that you, you and I actually know, you know, um, well, my mom's friend, Andy Christina, he's another fake aunt, but, um, but, but, uh, Andy Christina, her son, Garrett, played on Langara. They won, they won nationals three times. 
So yeah. just touch up on that in general, because everyone always talks about Ontario and Toronto being the mecca of Canadian basketball. But touch up on Vancouver as well, because I think that, I think Vancouver is, is is a lost art right now. Yeah, well, I think BC um, has has made a big step in that um, that direction, and I think part of it, to be fair, is that so many more kids. There's a lot of BC kids too, but so many more Ontario kids and Quebec kids are going to the states. And we got, we got, you know, big time guys now in Canada that are playing division one. Um, so that, that may have leveled it a little bit, but when I played and then Langara before I got there, they were always one of the powerhouses. And then even after they were always top two, it seemed like they could never break through and win the gold medals. Like they eventually did, mm -hmm. but uh, Kevin Hansen played there. Then he coached there. Now he's coaching at UBC and you know, they had a lot of guys. A lot of times you get first year, you get guys that are, Good enough to play university but don't have the grades so they go play one year of college and, and it just they you know light it up so if you get that one player um the guy that that played at mount royal before i did uh, Corey joseph's dad oh wow that makes me feel old david joseph yeah who was an unbelievable player and in a different era he probably would have gone division one whether or not he would have had a chance to play pro but he was a legend he was the best player anyone had seen come through there at that point just before i got there and then now here's his son in the nba so um, you know, it's, but I agree the BC kind of gets overlooked, but that's the two, it seems at the college level, it's Ontario and BC and at the university level, it's Carleton and, and everybody else really every year for yeah, the men's yeah. side. Yeah. Man, Car Carleton, it's, it's, it, if you're on a different team, it is so stressful playing against Carleton. I mean, I've never played against them, but I, I've heard so many stories from, from our friends and yeah. stuff like that. So it, it, it's crazy, but I know you touched up earlier and you mentioned about your, your coach and you met all your best friends at your school. What was the, the, the relationship like with your coach in terms of what he taught you? Yeah, well, that was kind of why I got in touch with him. I think uh, the biggest thing, I always say, though, all the guys on that team, everybody's done well. I mean, uh, you know, not everybody's a CEO and, you know, setting the world on fire financially. There's a couple of guys that are, but everybody's kind of found their way and are good, are good people. And he was a real hard disciplinarian. And I think that I told him, I said, it took me a while to realize that that's what I needed. He was very hard on me. Uh, harder than he was on most but he also because he knew that I needed that and when he got me fired up I would play harder defense or I would you know hit the glass a little bit that I wasn't something I wasn't prone to do but I always tell the story that we were doing um, you know I played for a few coaches at that point and some some good ones and other ones that sort of you know they, they're kind of loose and then when it comes down to getting everything together there you have their attention but he never let up. And so we were doing drills where he'd be at one end of the gym talking to somebody and we'd be doing some kind of the defensive shuffle drill. I'd be at the other end of the gym and I'd, you know, straighten my legs for a split second and he'd fight, you know, he'd know I'd have to run because I wasn't staying down. Like he saw everything. And uh, he just was, uh, yeah, very, very intense. His son, I don't even know the name, Jordan Baker was uh, all Canadian at University of Alberta. And that's his, his, his son and his wife, uh, my coach, Doug Baker, his wife was a great player. And Doug was at national team. Uh, he played for the junior national team, never made the senior national team. But uh, he was, yeah, he, I think just the responsibility and anybody that's played on a team, you can't half fluff it. You can't take days off and not show up. And you, you know, you learn that it's easier to report the, the work or to, you know, to be loyal to your friends when you've had to go every day when you don't feel like it and you know you're going to get the crap kicked out of your running and, yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. And the games were obviously the, the release and the fun. But, uh, man, it, uh, yeah, it was never, never a moment off. That's what I remember most. 
Love, I love to hear it because I, even even uh, Devontae and myself, when we coach, we, we, we get on our players a lot. But I feel like t the generation today is getting so much softer that we can't coach the same way as we were coached when, when we were younger, even, yeah. even, for, even for you as well. If you were a coach, knowing everything that you know, you know in, both, in both eras, also being a father, how would you coach? Yeah, well, it's tough. I, I got asked to do a, just at a, at a grade, you know, grade school or, or a public school, they call it here, um, down the street for my son's team. And I just said, I've been out of it too long that, you know, I didn't really know in terms of any kind of schemes and all that stuff. So if I was forced into it, first of all, I'd lean on all the people that, you know, like, that I work with, like Leo Routens, like Paul Jones, like Jack Armstrong, people that yeah. are coached to get some things down. But I think, I think that that, the fine line between having fun and knowing that when you need their attention, you've got to get it. And, and that takes a bit of time to build where when they're jerking around and then you're like, okay, guys, listen, I let you have your fun. Now I need you to pay attention and uh, you know, to make it, but it's, I, I agree the difference, a different generation. And I don't know, I don't know where the next generation of great players will come from. I don't know if anybody's as dedicated to be out there for five, six hours a day shooting in the backyard, like we used to. Sure. And I think of your, sometimes coaching you need to take the time for them to learn those skills where they should be shooting free throws and shooting you know doing shooting drills and ball handling drills on their own and then when it comes time you just work on theories and practice and that kind of stuff and 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 i know i know this if you're your first time meeting Devonte, but Devonte was fortunate enough to go play division one basketball at albany university and he you know he he has some stories even even that like that he talks about saying how he was in the gym as constantly as he was but now when he's coaching he him and i talk about it all the time What's the one thing I'll let Devontae tell? What's one thing you always try to try to tell your kids all the time and try to try to motivate your kids to do, Devontae? Stay in the gym, man. And I think yeah. you you hit it right in the dot. Um, we're heading into a new generation now where kids are just not as dedicated as we used to be. And um, it's um it's pivotal, I think, in any development in life. You need to be consistent at something in order to make that a habit. I think yeah. there's a stat out there, you know, you do something for 90 days straight. It becomes an actual habit. And, you know, in terms of basketball, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see right now. I think a lot of kids, there's a lot of revenues to success yep. in today's life. So in terms of the, you know, athletics, you're, you, you fight between those spectrums of finding kids that really love the game of basketball. And what I tell my kids is that if you really want to do it, you have to find a routine. You have to stay consistent out at that thing because there's a lot of kids that want to do the exact same thing. No, that's it. And you know what I think with basketball is advantage over almost every other sport is you can go out by yourself. All you need is a rim. And, and you know, hockey, you, you can take shots, but you're not developing the rest of your skills. Basketball, you can ball handle, you can shoot, you can go through the motion, you know, get your free throw routine, everything. You get one more guy, then you're suddenly playing defense, you're rebounding, like everything comes together. It's an easier sport to, to spend time on and get better at than, than most of them. For sure, for sure. I want to. I want. I want to know. I we, we saw you away from the background, but uh, but I just want. I just want to know. What's it like being a father? Oh, it's fantastic. It's uh, you know, it's been a weird. She's working from home now, obviously, with uh, everything going on. She works at Sportsnet as well. Uh, oh. But uh, yeah, the boys have gone uh, back to school as of last week. So it's changed things around here. I was banished to the bedroom because uh, one of them was in this room that I'm in. One of them was in the den. My wife's in the office. So I, I don't have anything to do during the day yeah. um, unless, you know, I can just prep in, in there on my phone. But um, yeah, no, it's been fantastic. And it's, I've got two boys that are 11 and 13. 
And I knew, you know, I knew all my life that I wanted to be a father and it's, I got started with it a little bit late, which is fine. I'm probably a better dad now than I would have been 20 years ago. And uh, they're, they're the best. It's a, it's a great, uh, they're the oldest is into every sport. It just sort of plays everything, kind of dabbles in it. And, he, you know, now he's starting high school next year, grade nine, he's going to um, Neil McNeil, which has a really good sports program. So he'll find something there, but he's big into hockey and he's starting to get into basketball and volleyball and that. And then the younger guy is, is not really into the sports as much. And unfortunately he's taller. He's like a head taller than everybody in his grade, but oh, he doesn't gosh. right now doesn't have the interest. So I said, he's, he's going to middle school next year. So I said, as soon as you get there, the coach is going to see you in gym and say, so, and he kind of likes it, but he's not, you know, it just doesn't, it hasn't really grabbed him. And he's more, he's very, very funny and, and very smart with the computers and the video games and that kind of stuff. And he's got these great creative ideas. So everybody finds their way in different, uh, different forms. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. I know, I know, I know you mentioned earlier that, that uh, kids always like to like to uh, take after their parents and stuff like that. First of all, two-parter, would you want your kid to take after you? And two, would they, do they even want to take after you in terms of what, yeah. what you're doing right now? Yeah, I think the business is changing. That's the the problem. It's shrinking as you see these stories from Bell and, you know, uh, last week and the week before with people losing their jobs, radio stations, all sports radio stations being shut down. So I think there's um, there'd be interest from the, from the oldest for sure. Um, but I, you know, it is sort of a, I'd have to see what the landscape is like at that point, but it's, it's a legacy business. There's a lot of guys that, that are, are working now that their, their fathers that, that are still, work in the business guys like Bob McKenzie's son Sean works with us and there's been a number of those kind of cases so so we'll see but it depends where it where it's all headed so uh I, I I would have no problem if they wanted to but I would certainly not direct them that way if it felt like it's a dead end fair enough I got I got a few more questions for you before we play our game uh at the end to, to conclude our show but first question I want to ask you is do you remember how you got the name Stinkman? <laughs> Stink man? Stink man. Do you, oh, do you oh, suck man. Suck man. <laughs> oh, suck man. Suck man. Sorry. With your, suck your nephews, right? Suck man. Yeah. Suck Are man. your cousins? I guess cousins. your cousins. It was Ario. Um, yes. I was over playing hockey in the basement with Jeff's kids and uh, <laughs> I, they, I missed the net and the one kid, the little guy says, I think he's, I think he's married now. The little guy he says, you suck. You suck. <laughs> so then the next time I, uh, I scored and I went right in his face and does that suck? Does that? So then they said, who's the suck man now? So that was it. Yeah. Oh, that was great. That was, that was a fun <laughs> night. That was probably uh, 20 years ago. At uh, least. Something like that. Funny yeah. enough, all three, uh, there's four boys. Three of them are married now. I don't know if you know, yeah. three of them are married Incredible. and, and they all, uh, they all have, no, the oldest ones have two kids. The other one has one kid. Yeah. My Cra gosh. Crazy, crazy to think about. Crazy it, uh, to think how about. fast it goes for sure. <laughs> uh if if you if you had a dinner party and you had five empty chairs who would you and you could you could fill them with anybody in the world who would you want to fill them with dead wow. or alive dead or alive dead or alive yeah well what i'll do is i'll i'll take the family out of it because i think that's you'd be pretty quick to get you know grandparents and things like that back into me that feels like it's an obvious so to make it more generic uh wow that's uh well bruce springsteen for sure that's my guy and i uh you know, it's been the soundtrack of my life and I love to, I love, love to hear stories, love to ask him anything about, about his albums and that. Um, probably Muhammad Ali. Ooh. Uh, again, a guy who, you know, who saw everything and, and um, Neil Armstrong, we just watched First Man the other night. So, I mean, I, okay. I always say when he passed away, it's like, everybody's got a story. This guy, the first guy on the moon, you know, that would be, yeah. uh, that would be pretty cool. Um, 
boy, that's uh, oh man, <laughs> so that's three, right? Tough one. Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. I mean, you try to you know break it out into different things that you um, you know, like President Kennedy kind of thing. I'm a big fan of the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s sort of history, that kind of thing. And uh, ooh, yeah, that that would be enough. Those four would be enough for me for the conversation. So I'll, I'll leave the fifth. <laughs> You're leaving one free. Fifth to be determined. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> I, 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 sounds good. If you could, if you could, if you could bring somebody back from the dead to hear their conversation, other than other than the the people that you mentioned that are that are passed away, who would you bring back to have a conversation to hear their story? Just to hear their whole story. Wow. Uh, Only one person. Yeah. Well, if it could be family, my, my grandfather uh, is like, I, I, I was lucky because he was, I lost one when I was quite young, but the one that I, I was almost uh, 20 or 21 years old when he died, but I still was kind of just scratching the surface. And his story in a nutshell is amazing. He, from England, he wanted to go fight in World War I and his dad, he was one of like 11 kids. His dad said, if you go fight in that war, because his dad didn't agree with it, he goes, you're not welcome back here. So he went and fought, wasn't welcome back, moved to Canada at like 21 years old, started knocking on doors in Saskatchewan, got a job at a farm, worked his way west, started a car dealership. And, you know, and then he's the, sort of the patriarch of our family. So I kind of got to get some of those stories as I got older. But, you know, just when you're at the age where you're really interested, he's gone. And I have a lot of dreams that I'm getting to talk to him. So that would be the one I think for me, I think would be a blast because everything he lived through from the start of flight to both world wars like what a what a lifetime to live in the uh in the 20th century almost lived you know if he'd lived to be 100 he would have lived in three centuries because he was born in 1899 but he died oh, right, oh, died at 90 so pretty crazy wow that, that is that's wow. very crazy yeah that's very crazy uh, a couple couple more for you first one uh michael lebron kobe uh in order uh just as you said them michael lebron kobe Ooh, yeah. this was Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not I, as I'm not as big of a Kobe guy. Kobe barely barely makes my top ten, and Michael wow. and LeBron are one two now. Yeah, I got. Wow. I've got Bird, Magic, Wilt, Kareem, Russell, wow. all those guys, Duncan, all of them ahead of Kobe. And then, but <laughs> but that's not disparaging Kobe. It's like he's he's nine or ten. You know, it's still that's still pretty good. But I I, I was not as enamored with him um as as some other people but again still of this generation you know he it's he since since michael it's he duncan and uh lebron are the are the big three from the last 20 years right in in whatever order okay. i i, I know that's I, a hot I, take yeah i'm about to say i'm like <laughs> i i know i'm only only going to give you one uh one more question but i have to i have to add to this one right now Tim Duncan is, is is Tim Duncan to you one of one of the one, the best or is is where is is Tim Duncan the best power forward of all time for you? He's the best power forward of all time, yeah, without question. And uh, you know who else is ahead of Kobe Shaq for me? So there you go. There's another hot take. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I think Shaq wow. it was it, and if Kobe had stead kept them together, they would have won unlimited championships. But I think Shaq no had like about a five or six year period where nobody could guard him, and if he'd stayed, you know. A little healthier and, they, and he got ripped off of a couple mvps so again wow. those are slight margins that's not it's like when someone says michael or lebron it's like oh michael like i'm not saying lebron you know is the suck man by any means you know, <laughs> the, the, this is like that's one fair. and one a and i was never open to anybody being better than jordan but now i am and i think lebron's a real shot 
if he gets another title and another MVP, what he's doing at his age is ridiculous. Like it's, it's, it's never, you know, Michael had his 12 years where he was the best player. And, you know, in that mix, LeBron has been, has never left that mix and is a year 18 or whatever it is. It's, it's crazy. So I'm open to that changing at some point. Duncan just was never flashy enough. He just got it done five titles. And I know Kobe got his five as well. I guess I held it against Kobe because I was a Laker fan. And when he played his card and played Shaq out of town, eventually got his two without him. And that what that's what he wanted. But if they had just like Tracy and Vince, if they had been able to hold together. And isn't it funny that that was uh, to get off topic, but Tracy and Vince was in the days that everybody wanted to run their own team, wanted to be the star. Now the stars want to get together, right? Mm -hmm. And win more. So if Kobe and Shaq had figured that out, like they honestly, Kobe would have nine rings. I think if they had stayed together, I think the Lakers, nobody was beating them in those, those, uh, the two between they won it in Oh two and then got to the finals in Oh four. And then Shaq was gone. And then Kobe won in nine and 10. In between there, there would have been two or three more, I think. So you're talking eight or nine rings for Kobe. And then then I'm not telling you he's the 10th best player of all time. So <laughs> <That's a great laughs> I, I, I also think that if, if Jordan didn't, didn't retire, he wins eight in a row. That's my opinion. But yeah, that's, that's, yeah. No, nobody was beating them. Yeah, for sure. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Last question before we get to our game. It's similar to the first question that I asked you, but the uh, last question. Five Canadians, five Canadians that you could sit down and have a conversation with, dead or alive, who would it be? In any capacity, like that, not just athletes, anything. Yeah, uh, Terry, Terry Terry Fox is the first one that uh, that comes to mind. Uh, Steve Nash, who I've, I've I've met briefly, but never really had the chance to sit. Oh, it just seems like a really cool dude. Uh, yeah. Wayne Gretzky, again, maybe maybe the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, let me see. They get get a, a musician in there. Maybe um, ooh. Boy, yeah, that's, that's it's three is always easy to come up with. They come up with the <laughs> come up with five is, is I'd squeeze after that. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. Um, uh, hey, Larry Walker, the uh, MLB okay. Hall of Fame guy who played hockey was a goalie like I was until I decided to take up baseball a little later. So I know it always lends itself back to sports and and music for me. But it's uh, and you know what, Michael J. Fox, guy from my home hometown. And sure uh, just a, one of those guys, it just such a, seems like such a cool dude. He's handled his illness with such grace that, uh, and he just seems like a really funny guy. So give me those. Any, any, any honorable mentions? No, I think that's, that's good enough for me right now. Yeah, if, I, if you gave me, a, you know, 10 minutes to think about it, I'd come up with a list. But uh, So, 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 so you, 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 you wouldn't even put your grandfather in there? Oh, no, I would. But I, that's, I, try, I try to do those things without saying family because then you Fair could enough. go. A lot of relatives, right? To me, it's quite obvious. Like, it's, uh, it's like, like when they say, what are the things you couldn't, three things you couldn't live without, it, you, I say, okay, I, besides the obvious of family and friends, then you go through music, sports, you know, whatever. But we'll try to play those things that way. Fair enough. We like to conclude this. We like to conclude the show, you know, with a game called In a Perfect World. I'm going to put you through a scenario and then you're just going to fill in the blanks for me. So mm -hmm. let's go all the way back to when you're at school in Calgary. Let's say you don't take the basketball route and that you, you know, you don't go into the newspaper industry, but you're actually in the sports casting. You go to school for it. Now you're doing a tremendous job throughout your four years of college, all the way to the point where every division one school in the country now wants you to be their main sports caster. You can move your family out there. They have provided a house for you on campus or a little bit outside of campus. What is that division one school that you would go to? Duke. 
<laughs> we are having a everything is Duke lately. Man, can I tell you? Can I tell you my Duke story? Why? Yeah, because I I didn't jump on the bandwagon as late as 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 some. So Quinn Snyder, who now coaches Utah, yeah. was playing high school basketball in Van or in Seattle, and we used to get their games in Vancouver. They won mm. the state championship, Mercer Island. He wore number ten. I wore number 10 because of Quinn Snyder and he went to Duke. I'd never heard of Duke. And they said wow. on the broadcast and Quinn Snyder headed to Duke next year. And at that point I'm getting into college hoops. It's early eighties. I'm like, I know Indiana, North Carolina, like Duke, what is, it's not even a state, you know, what is that? So <laughs> I, he went and he was part of Shashevsky's first final four team as a freshman when Johnny Dawkins and Tommy Amaker and those guys, and he played four years, three final fours. And he always was kind of the sixth man last year he started. He was never a superstar there, but that was my connection to Duke. So I was right on board from that point, right up and, you know, right up until, till now. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. You're at Duke now, you know, yeah. in North Carolina, you're having a splendid job doing what you have to do on a, a, a regular basis all the way to the point now that, you know, you want to explore your other options as you're getting some interest from the NBA. You can't pick the Raptors, but what is that other team? that you will go to putting in consideration location, the players on the team, and obviously um, the NBA in itself. Yeah. You're talking about right now, right now, in terms of players and team, what the rosters and what the teams look like right now. Yeah. We'll make it, we'll make it, we'll make it easy that way. Yeah. I'm, I've always been, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm dragging my family along there all the time. Always been a huge California guy. So LA would be really tough to turn down and, and to work for the Lakers knowing that, they're always going to be competitive. They're, they're not, you know, they had a couple off years, but LeBron's there and everything else. It'd be pretty tough to, to not go there. But I also love Chicago as a great, great sports town. And, and right now the Bulls may be showing signs that they're back up to, uh, to where they were. But tough to ignore the sunshine of Los Angeles, that's for sure. Fair to say. Tough to, tough to ignore the signs. Now, that, that, in, that concludes the um, perfect world. So thank you for that. But you besides the Raptors, you know, what are some other players that you're excited to watch in the NBA on a day-in and day-out basis? Uh, well, I love the Euro European influence. I think it's changed the game and I think it's made it better. And uh, you can't just be an athletic dunker anymore. You know, you got to do everything. And LeBron has certainly seen his game go that route. Uh, always a treat to, to watch him play for sure. LeBron. I love, I love Luka Doncic. I love uh, uh, Nurkic in, uh, in Denver as well. The big guys that sort of surprise you by doing everything and they you look at them you're like what's this guy <laughs> you know what's he doing and suddenly they they put up a triple double against you um donovan mitchell at uh at utah is a guy and i met him at the finals a couple of years ago we had him on as a guest so sometimes that leads to when a guy is really nice and that was his rookie year it leads you to want to watch you know watch them play as well but you know i tell you Kawhi is just i just Everything he does, it's so much fun to watch how fundamentally sound, how smart he is, how strong he is, even though he's not, doesn't have the flair that some guys do. I, I would certainly pay to watch that guy play every night. Most definitely, most definitely. We, we, always, we always ask all our guests this one last question before we to conclude the show. Who is somebody that you'd like to see on our show, but here's the kicker, you have to help us get him on. <laughs> well, you already had Jack on, right? Yep. Uh, and it's all, all basketball all the time. So I, I uh, yeah, I think any any of the guys on our Sportsnet side would be would be great guests. Eric Smith, Sherman Hamilton, Leo Routens, any of those guys would uh, would do you well. Well, as long as you can help us get connected with them, then that that'd be great. Um, 
but one, one more time, I definitely want to thank you, Uncle Brad, for, for taking some time to talk to us today. I uh, wish you nothing but the best. Stay safe, stay warm. Hopefully, we can see you guys soon, and I'll definitely see you next year at, 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 at my wedding, so look forward to awesome. that. Awesome. Hey, and, uh, and Devante, is that you on, in, in behind you? Is that a picture of you, number 12? Yeah, senior yeah. night. They gave us this picture, so it's nice. always here in the living room. That's awesome. Good form. Textbook, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty good senior. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. good. <laughs> All, All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me. Be well. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Most definitely. Take care. Yeah. Take care.